0: I'm John.
1: And I'm Sherry.
0: We like home stuff.
1: We like talking.
0: And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home.
1: Today we're going to talk about what goes on at a blogging conference. Yep, that's a thing. Plus, John's feeling some major tool envy, and Jenny Poulos from Bravo's Flipping Out convinces me to beatbox. Hi, Sherry. Hi.
0: I think what's new for both of us this week is that we've done some traveling.
1: It's true. Together. What's new for me is also new for you. Yes. So I'm taking one and you're taking Yeah, one.
0: because our travels had two stops. For those who know, we were in um, Greenville, South Carolina and Atlanta, Georgia earlier this month for some speaking events. And so I wanted to talk about our first stop in Greenville because I'm in love.
1: I uh, also am in love.
0: So the interesting thing about this trip was that we've had the chance to go to a lot of different cities over the past few years as part of our book tours. But those are rarely like as cool as it is to go see a bunch of different cities. Those are rarely like pleasure visits because most times we're getting in there. Let like, me
1: paint a picture. Oh,
0: yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> wake up at six in the morning. Sneak out to try and not wake up children. Get in taxi or drive to airport. airport parking. Wait at gate, fly, land somewhere.
0: This is a very detailed picture. It is a
1: detailed picture.
0: Eat a meal. Use the restroom. (laughs) (laughs) Fix flyaways.
1: Um, No, so we, we land right we get on the plane yeah, finally can i fast forward a we little bit and usually we don't even get to check in like usually when we're at an event our luggage is like hiding in the back room it's been under the table before we have walked in wearing backpacks and um then we usually after the event which goes well, usually the events evening, are later
0: like most right. of our book signs would start at six they'd be done at earliest at eight we would like eat a late dinner
1: right finally check sometimes into the room hotel. service
0: because we were too lazy to go out right and like get to bed late just to wake up again at like 5 next morning to fly out to the next city.
1: Right.
0: Repeat. Let's go through every step, (laughs) Sherry. (laughs) People might have... Say (laughs) hello
1: to the flight attendant.
0: (laughs) The point is that we rarely have a lot of downtime to go actually explore the cities that we're in. So So Greenville...
1: Greenville was amazing. Back to Greenville,
0: yes. Was an anomaly because our event was a little bit earlier. Yeah,
1: it was four to six. So we were released into the world at 6 p.m., which is normal dinner time.
0: Yeah. It was like at... 6.37 on a Friday night on a beautiful summer day. Our hotel was right on Greenville's main street, which I don't know if you guys have ever been to Greenville, South Carolina, but it has this beautiful main street with so many restaurants. There was like an outdoor festival with live music and dancing and beer trucks. And there's like so many trees and like lights in the trees. Yeah,
1: There were like big oak trees in the middle, like at every corner with a um, sidewalk all around them. And like, if you look up, you'd see like a wind chime in them. It was basically utopia. Yeah.
0: Yes. We were very charmed. We walked down to the end of their main street to the Falls Park where they have like this river going through the city with all these walking bridges and get this, a waterfall, a straight up waterfall in the middle of the city.
1: And guess what my husband was doing? Holding the camera phone, taking a hundred pictures yeah. of said waterfall.
0: I was telling people the rest of the weekend, like I was showing them this photo of the waterfall that I took. I was very proud of it. I'll put it on the show notes because- It's
1: beautiful, but it he showed it to seen. everyone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I kept saying, if for some reason the people of Richmond kicked me out of the city, that is where I would consider next because it was so pretty.
1: Yeah. And the things I liked were, um, we went to this restaurant. It's all about food for me. We went to this restaurant called Taco Sushi. Taco yes. Sushi. Taco Sushi. T A K O yeah. Sushi. And it was- Unbelievable. It was like it was all my favorite things.
0: Mexican sushi fusion. So, literally, our dinner was. We got a
1: fish taco and sushi. Yeah. And it was delicious and perfectly, like not too big of a serving, not too small of a serving. And then we walked around and went like foot bridges and like without... we looked
0: at foot bridges. Yes.
1: Well, I wouldn't go on the super high one because it looked like it didn't have sides, which always freaks me out. I'm sure that no one has fallen off of it yet, but I'd be the person who would trip and fall off of it. But we looked at them. It's in John's waterfall picture yep. if you look at the picture. So the other what's new is after Greenville, literally on Friday night, we did an event in Greenville, slept over, and on Saturday morning, we were hitting the road for Atlanta. And we got into the Haven Conference, which is like a big blogging conference that they have in downtown Atlanta. It's really fun. It's the fifth year. At the first year, we were the opening speakers. And this year, we were the closing speakers, which was kind of poetic in that like five-year full circle moment. And we got there Saturday. We weren't speaking until Sunday, but we wanted to attend some of the classes. And mostly we just wanted to hang out with bloggers. I wanted to hang out with Katie Bauer and see a lot of other people that we see at Haven. Because I've been, have I been every year except for one?
0: No, I think you missed two years. So
1: I've been three out of five. Not bad. Yeah.
0: And this is actually my first year going to like the conference portion. Because when we spoke that first year after we were done, I immediately went, back and uh watch the kids with jeremy at the bowers house right and then the second not
1: to be nice and watch the kids but because you like backed slowly away from all the women
0: yeah was, <laughs> i would describe haven as kind of a sorority party <laughs> of sorts <laughs> but
1: there were more guys here than ever
0: this year i was i was pleasantly surprised there were lots of husbands um lots of vendors and stuff so i did yeah, not feel were- outnumbered as i expected it was a
1: ratio of like one man to every 10 women and it's Typically or usually in past years, maybe one guide every hundred.
0: But the purpose of the conference is kind of a combination of for bloggers to learn new blogging skills, you know, uh, photography, SEO, advertising, you know, social media, all the skills that you use as a blogger, and then also to learn new home and design and craft skills as well. So it's like, there's a bunch of bloggers, there's a bunch of um, brands, people there's teaching classes. There's like woodworking
1: classes. classes, there were watercolor classes. There was a really interesting YouTube class that we went to just because we're like, what do YouTubers do? And it was taught by two big YouTubers. And most of all, I just hung out with Katie because I'm terrible at networking. And so I just go to chat with everyone
0: Again, it was kind of my first time going to it as the actual conference. And I thought it was a really good experience to sort of connect with people and learn some new skills, because I think as long as you do this, there's always something new to learn. And as we said at the beginning, we gave the closing talk. Oh, yeah. Which which we we actually recorded.
1: We brought a little microphone. This is an expensive hobby, I will tell you. John keeps buying (laughs) things for the podcast. they just show up at the front door from Amazon, and they're like, new equipment. And he bought this, like, crazy 360-degree microphone that we could put down on the podium while we talked. And we've played it back, and it seems to have worked. It's not perfect audio, but, you know, it you get the idea, and it's us delivering the speech. So we're thinking of actually making that a very special episode so that you guys can hear what we talked about. Because I think the topic is really interesting. It was... Um, why <laughs> You're
0: not biased one bit. <laughs> I just I thought the speech I gave was so fascinating.
1: <laughs> well, I just we tried to say something new or interesting because going up there and saying like we're bloggers, I don't know, well, let me talk about blogging was like we did that in the opening speech 5 years ago. And so this one was about why we stepped away from blogging for a year and we're sort of sharing all the lessons we learned while we were taking our break and also kind of in hindsight about what we did that wasn't sustainable, what we wish we did differently. Yada yada yada. So, look forward to that in a future episode. We're hoping to have it together. It will take us a few weeks to get it together.
0: So I think that's enough about our travels. Actually, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, we're on the road again. We're in New York City speaking at Blogger Block Party.
1: Yeah, that's going to be fun. Yeah. We get to see Genevieve Gorder, Emily Henderson, a bunch of other bloggers, Sarah Peterson, the editor-in-chief of HGTV Magazine. It's going to be a good time.
0: Yeah. So with all that said, should we move on? You had a new segment, right? That's right.
1: I'm calling it Take 5. I would love Take
0: Fives.
1: (laughs) But it's not a candy bar. Take five, it's gonna be five tips on a certain topic. This one's gonna be about rugs, but first your job is to find some good intro music. I was gonna say, do
0: I get to find music for this? Okay, so take five. You have five tips about rugs.
1: That's right. I think rugs are one of those like. Hashtag it's complicated things for most people. And I think we spent a few years and a few houses trying to figure them out. So I'm going to impart five tips that I think might be helpful and maybe a bonus tip All these rules are meant to be broken. But in general, if you're struggling with a room that kind of looks off or you're not sure what to do with the rug, these are guidelines that might be helpful. One, look at your sofa, look at your bed. Make sure the rug is wider than the sofa and the bed and not just like an inch wider, ideally about a foot or so wider on each side or more than
0: that. Yeah, because otherwise it ends up looking like kind of like a tongue sticking out of the couch or out of the bed.
1: Yeah, because nobody wants to have a piece of furniture sticking their tongue out of them. The second one would be when two spaces are open to each other, what should you do with the two rugs? So an example of this might be a dining room that opens up to a living room with a wide-cased opening. Another example might be you're in your foyer and you look left and you see your office and you look right and you see your dining room. What should those rugs do? That's what we have in our house. Exactly. I'm describing our house. (laughs) So I think that there are three sort of solutions. One is you can match them exactly. That might look crazy if they're both, you know, like a green geometric pattern because it might be like, wow, they really went nuts with those area rugs everywhere. But what I mean by match them exactly is that might work better if you have, say, a navy area rug in both spaces or a jute rug in both spaces, something woven. What that does is it sort of ties them together. It creates sort of a bridge between the two rooms. And if you have a woven rug in your dining room and a woven rug in your living room, you're not like, wow, this is the house full of woven rugs because there's art and chairs and furniture and all these other items.
0: So the first thing is to do the exact same rug in both rooms. What's the second?
1: So the second thing is that, and this is probably my preference over perfectly matched, is matching in style and something that kind of ties them together. So an example would be if you had two geometrics. One is a large scale geometric with like orange and blue in one space. And the other space has a geometric that might just have a lighter shade of the blue. They're kind of like cousins or brothers. They're not exactly matched, but they certainly relate to each other. An example of what might not work so well is if in one space you had a really modern geometric rug with orange and blue, and in another space you had a really traditional Turkish rug and that had like sage green and red in it. The colors don't relate and the styles don't relate, so it might seem a little bit hodgepodge in your space.
0: Okay, and then number three?
1: Number three is sort of a hybrid of both of those. It's involving one being a neutral and one being your statement rug. Say you have one beautiful, lovely Turkish rug and it has a bunch of different rich tones and a bright, bold pattern. Maybe in the adjoining room, what you want to do is just do a woven or jute rug in there. That's the neutral. It kind of plays well with anything. Another example would be a large navy area rug. Something sort of nondescript. Those are the neutrals and that sort of ties into whatever you make that's more of the bold choice in the other room. And it allows one of the rugs to sort of be the focal point of that space. And in the other space, maybe you have a wonderful chandelier or art or mirror, something else that sort of takes that center stage in that room.
0: That's kind of like in our house. In the foyer, you see our traditional rug that's very colorful in the dining room and you look to the other side and you see that kind of metallic cowhide rug that's very neutral. Exactly. I feel like you just snuck in three tips under your number two in this five things.
1: That's right. I like sub-bulleted. You are
0: really pushing the envelope of five here. (laughs) Okay, but then number three...
1: So now that we've established how to deal with rooms that open to each other, number three would just be about size, which is another thing a lot of people struggle with. I would say, and I didn't find this in a rule book, I just walked around our house and I looked at what we typically do. And I noticed in almost every room that has a big area rug, that bigger seems to be better. And when I looked at all of our rooms, I noticed that sort of the winning combination seemed to be a foot to three feet away from the walls on all sides, if that makes sense. Picture your floor being a frame, like a picture frame. You want a frame of wood around the rug, ideally. And it doesn't have to be perfectly spaced. Like you don't expect a foot on all four sides. A lot of times in yeah, our Yeah, that's rooms, hard to do
0: unless you're getting custom carpet cut or something.
1: Exactly. But I did notice that in the living room, it seems to be maybe about a foot and a half away from all four of the walls. In our dining room, it's about a foot away from two sides and about three feet away from the other sides with the big buffets that are sitting on either side to fill that extra floor space. You also can always tape it off. Use masking tape or painter's tape. Tape something on the floor to make sure you really like where your furniture will land on it, where your coffee table will sit on it. It helps you visualize it.
0: Okay, number four.
1: Number four is think outside the rectangle or the square. Because I think those are the obvious shapes, right? Right angles, corners. Most
0: rooms are rectangles or squares.
1: Exactly. And actually our office, which we already mentioned, has this organic hide. So you can get a faux cow hide or a real cow hide. Ours is this light metallic tone, so it's really reflective and soft. That is different than a rectangular square. And the room, surprise, surprise, really benefits from it because it is full of rectangles. It has a floating rectangular desk. It has a printing cabinet. It has your desk. So there's lots of rectangles and straight lines in that room. And the organic shape of the light hide rug is a really nice way to break it up. Uh, another option would be a circular rug, a round jute rug and a foyer. We had a round rug in our last office. So those are options too when you don't want more squares or rectangles in a room that might be full of
0: them. Okay, last one. Number five.
1: Number five is we love a room when not every single color in the rug is duplicated in other accessories. It looks very matchy matchy when you bring in a green and blue rug and then you get pillows and curtains and accessories and art in those exact tones of green and blue.
0: Oh, see, that's interesting because I feel like a lot of times we hear like pick a foundational piece like a rug when you're designing a room and then use that as the launch point for all the colors.
1: I agree with that. Yeah. But let me explain.
0: Yeah. But I feel like what you're saying is don't necessarily duplicate every single color.
1: Exactly. And don't duplicate every single intensity. A perfect example is in our living room. We have a a rug that's like rust colored and it has some pale blues and some navies in it. We pulled the pale blues out and put it on the ceiling. We painted the ceiling that And some color. of the pillows. And some of the pillows, you're right. And then our sofa isn't navy, but it's like a deep charcoal color that kind of ties into the navy. But nowhere else in the room do we have rust colored things. We have some pink pillows so they're in the family, but we didn't say like, let's get rust frames and let's do powder blue on the ceiling and let's do navy on the couch. It's not super matchy matchy.
0: And I think what that does, especially in our spaces, is it lets the rugs kind of be the star because they stand out because they have those unique colors. Like I think about our dining room where it has more bright pinks and stuff like that and reds and we don't have pinks or reds anywhere else in the room. Exactly.
1: We have some soft pinks. This is a perfect example. And we'll put a picture of our living room and our dining room in the show notes so you guys can see this. And we'll do our office too so you can see that hide rug.
0: Yeah, that's five.
1: I have a bonus tip. I love a sub tip. So this is like, nest this under these tips as sort of a Hail Mary. If you have a rug that's too small, but you love it, this is a really quick and easy way to sort of save it and stretch it. So you know when you have a small piece of art and you want it to be bigger and have more presence, you might add a thick white mat and then frame that in a larger frame. This is the rug equivalent of that. Get a low pile woven rug. And then put your beautiful smaller rug on top of it and they layer. It might be hard to picture, so we'll try to find something to put in the show notes to demonstrate it for you. But essentially what you're doing is creating the mat to your frame to make the art seem larger. Same concept
0: with the rug. Well, those are some good tips. All five, six, seven, eight. I I lost track of how many you snuck in there under the guise of five.
1: I'm like, and another thing. (laughs) One more thing.
0: Well, now I'd like to hit you with some what's not. Let's do it. So this is the portion of the show where I quiz Sherry. I gave her a category of things. Some of them are real, but some of them are made up. Her job is to tell me what's real and what's not. This one is called Fiddle Me This.
1: Oh, I'm assuming it's not about the instrument and it's about uh, plants. Wait, is it um, just fiddle leaf figs or it's like all plant life?
0: Well, get this. A fiddle leaf fig... Mm -hmm. is part of the ficus family.
1: Okay, this is already over my head. (laughs) Are you gonna draw me a diagram?
0: I can. Are you gonna use
1: words like genus? A
0: ficus is the genus. Oh
1: god, (laughs) here we go, here we go.
0: (laughs) But there are several other plants in the fig family. Okay. So as I go down the list, you tell me whether these are real or fake figs. Got it. Your first one, Mm -hmm. the banjo fig.
1: I think that's real because it's a fiddly fig, so I feel like they'd use another instrument, right? A banjo fig?
0: It's actually that's just another name for the fiddly fig. So yes. The Strangler fig.
1: I think that's real because it's too weird to be fake. Like it's a negative name, but why would they do that? But I believe it.
0: It is real. It's also called a banyan tree. You know, we've seen those like when we went to Hawaii, like those really intricate root systems that kind of like wrap and strangle.
1: Well, isn't that the one where the branches come down and touch the ground and like you can stand and lean on one? It looks like it has like many tree bases, but there's like one stump and lots of other points at which it touches the ground. And also kind
0: of the smaller ones are sometimes used in bonsai. Oh, well,
1: that's interesting.
0: The butterfly fig. The butterfly fig sounds like you made it up. I did make it up. It's fake. (laughs) You are 3 for 3 so far.
1: Am I actually winning one of your games?
0: Uh, well, congratulations. There's no prize. Okay, the congested fig. I
1: feel like that's not real. It's too weird.
0: That is real. It's Such also Such a not-
1: negative name, the strangler fig, the congested fig.
0: It's also known as the cluster fig because the fig fruits grow in a cluster.
1: Doesn't cluster fig sound funny?
0: It does. <laughs> like,
1: get me out of this cluster fig.
0: Oh, it's such a cluster fig.
1: The parking lot at Costco is such a cluster fig.
0: <laughs> I'm using
1: it in a sentence now. That'll
0: be our new substitute when the kids are in the car. I like it. The rubber fig.
1: That's real because there's a rubber tree.
0: Yeah, actually it is the rubber tree. Okay. It's a fig tree and it's called that because the sap, the latex sap was uh, used to make rubber at some point. The star fig.
1: Sounds like starfish. I think that's real. It's like that, a five-pointed leaf.
0: That is not real. Oh. The weeping fig. That's real. That is real. It's also known as Benjamin's fig. Okay. But most of us know it as ficus. Like when you go to the store and you see them selling a ficus, that's usually the weeping fig or the Benjamin's fig. Interesting. Okay, last one. Okay. The mistletoe fig.
1: That's got to be real.
0: It is real. And it's called the mistletoe fig not because it's used in mistletoe, but because it grows red berries, kind of like the mistletoe that we're used to. And also it's thought to be an aphrodisiac.
1: For eating it or like standing near it?
0: I think eating the berries. <laughs> okay,
1: because I'm like, do you put that in your bedroom? And then it like <laughs> wafts romance.
0: <laughs> yeah, not, a, not as a houseplant. <laughs> well, nice work on Fiddle Me This. Shall we get to the part of this episode that you've been looking forward to most?
1: Oh, yay. Is it time to call Jenny?
0: Yes, we are going to call Jenny Pulos from Bravo's Flipping Out.
1: And I'm the biggest fan girl, and I can't wait. I've been such a fan of everyone. Jeff, Zoila, Jenny. Jenny's the assistant to Jeff Lewis. Jeff Lewis is this amazing house slipper turned designer. And Bravo just found the most amazing characters, put cameras on them, and they capture all the drama. So I'm excited to talk to her. She's a mom. She's in this whole renovation world. She has a really positive attitude and kind of crazy situations. And she dabbles in rap. So and everything like about her is awesome. It's true. <laughs> so we're going to give her a call.
2: Hi. How are you? This is Sherry and John. Hi, Sherry. Hi, John. Hi, Jenny. You guys are so cute, by the way. I'm looking at your Skype picture. <laughs> is it in front of the
1: water?
0: Yes. That. Well, I mean, that picture is like, I don't know. How old is that?
1: We've since had two children and look more haggard than that picture. <laughs> Well, first of all, I just want to say how excited I am, and I'm psyched you guys are back on for the summer season, and I truly believe that Jeff, Zoila, and Jenny on a Thursday night is like the perfect prescription to life in general.
2: Well, thank you. I like that prescription as well. We're nine bottles in, or nine years, if you will, so we're happy to still be on the air.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say nine seasons. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, I mean, we never expected it would go this long. But as you know, people love renovation and everybody can relate when they do things to their own space. So I think between that and the characters, you know, we've had quite a life.
0: Well, we wanted to talk to you a a lot about flipping out, obviously, but also um, because you in particular know a thing or two about, you know, getting through sort of the high stakes situations with a smile on your face still.
2: (laughs) Yes. For the most part, I hope.
0: Obviously, one thing we love about Flipping Out is that it certainly doesn't hide the mistakes and the snafus that go along with any home renovation. Um, You're going
2: to see a lot of those this season. So get ready. I was laughing with Jeff. We had something come up later and I said, I I won't spoil it for you. But I said, I can't believe after all these years that I wouldn't have done that. You know, but you just, you get into it and, you know, you get overwhelmed.
0: Well, is there any snafu or mishap that stands out to you as something that was especially helpful in in teaching you guys a lesson?
2: Oh, yes. Every day, all the time. You know, you take a risk when you try new subcontractors. We had, I had one referral that I brought to Jeff and they were the flakiest people and they got, they were so excited. They said, we're on this. And then they just never responded. And so I think it's just about trial and error and being patient, walking through it. But also I think you have to stand your ground as the client and know that those subs and everybody is going to overbid always. And so you have to negotiate. And that just has to be part of the process as well, unless money isn't an issue for you. But I mean, I would say it always should be no matter what. So that when you and if you resell, that's going to be part of your profit.
0: Well, and actually speaking of reselling, one of the cool things that we got to see at the start of this current season is they sort of recap the transition that the business has gone through. You know, you guys started out as documenting flipping. And then when the housing market kind of crashed, you transitioned to interior uh, design clients. And now you're kind of moving back towards flipping and you know looking at that resale of those homes. Do you have sort of a preference? Is there one that's easier to do than the other?
2: Uh, you know, they're two very different animals. I think working with clients has its upside. Obviously, the check is steady. You know, when you're flipping, you're putting a lot of money out and you're not seeing a return. So it's a little bit of a a scarier investment, you know, for the ride. But then the payoff is great and you are your own boss. So there's obviously, you know, perks to that. You aren't having clients on you all the time. So, uh, you know, as far as Jeff and his changing business, and if you've watched our show, you've definitely seen the kind of roller coaster ride he's been on, you know, again, I think that's any successful person. It's staying on the coaster. And I was obviously starting out in entertainment and wanted to learn about real estate on the side. So when I made my money in entertainment, I could invest it in real estate. Well, here we are nine years later, I you know, became known for something I was kind of trying to hide as an actor, which was having a day job because I wasn't working as an actor. But my point is, it all comes around. Like Jeff is back to flipping, but he did have to take a right turn and do something he didn't envision for a while. But I actually think that's made him better as, you know, an actual renovator. He's definitely more seasoned now as a designer, dealing with clients, dealing with different budgets, different people's tastes. So I think the point is, you kind of bloom where you're planted. You know, you do the best at where you're at and that will lead you to the things that you want if you really work hard. So I think it's about working really hard and not looking at what everybody else is doing, but just kind of running your own race. And I think Jeff has done that very well There's been a lot of disappointments and a lot of up and downs, as you've seen at the beginning of the season, but it's all working out. And I think it's about getting back up again.
1: Yeah, it's great advice. And another thing I think you could give some perfect insight to is sort of living through a renovation. I know you don't live at Jeff's house, but you guys all work from the home that's also being renovated in this season. And we wondered if you had any tips for other people who might be trying to keep their sanity while they're living through a big renovation. (laughs)
0: Um, You're laughing at the idea of sanity.
2: (laughs) I don't know that I have any kind of advice that is solid on that because we've all lost it. Um, It's difficult. I think you have to, again, just try to keep your eye on the the end result. And, you know, you try to make it work. I think if you're, for instance, if you're redoing your kitchen, it's going to be difficult. You know, you're going to be ordering in or you, you camp it out. In the, in the time being, but it does get, I mean, it starts to wear on you. It's started to wear on them. I mean, the hammering and the AC going out and then something, the power goes out. I mean, it's just, you have to just know what you're signing
1: up for, I think. Oh yeah, like dust everywhere. Every surface being dusty. Does that kill Jeff? Yes, it does.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he liked the chaos for a while, but I think it's, it's getting old, you know, it's it's lost its luster, if you will. You'll
1: see. You keep watching the season. You'll see. Well, and you know, I love also that you're juggling being a working mom this season and Jeff and Gage are preparing to bring a baby into their family. And I wondered what you thought the biggest shock would be bringing a baby into the family while doing this type of work. You know, they hope to be finished with most the house
2: by the time the baby's born. Definitely, you know, so that they can function without work going on. Jeff kind of went back and forth. Should I have just moved out completely? And here we are. You know, he did it this way. And I think he's he's managed it. But I don't know that he would do that again. How about that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can tell people that. People told me that. It was the same thing when, I, when my ex-husband left me. They said, you know, you're going to get through this. And you're going to go, oh, I know why I went through that. Because you will have a life that you never imagined, but you're going to go through this pain and this experience for a reason. And when you're in it, you're like, shut up. I don't want to hear that. Oh, go away. You know, (laughs) but then you're in it. And now on the other side of it, I'm like, all those people were not only on my side, but they were so right, you know, and we're trying to have another baby and it's been difficult. So I look at it the same way. It's, well, if it's supposed to happen, it will, and it will have been worth it. And I think for Jeff engaged. they went through a long process. You know, this is almost five years in the making, you know, of them trying to have a baby first through adoption. So I think the joy of it will, again, it will outweigh anything.
1: Well, that's all we have for you, Jenny. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. We loved it. Thank you, John and Sherry. Tell your kids hi. I
2: have a new kids project coming out where we're redoing the nursery rhymes, so stay tuned. I'll get you the first version. Ooh, Ooh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, we got a little twist. We're making the nursery rhymes current,
1: which is cool. Oh, that's so fun.
2: Like, "Ba, ba, black sheep, have you any wool? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Three bags full.
1: That was a little teaser for you right there. I love it. Hey, I have one question for you before we go because you're so much fun. What would you sing for Young House Love Has a Podcast? Like, what would be the Jenny jingle? Oh, Young House Love. It doesn't roll off the tongue. I know. And I'm like, (laughs) could something rhyme with DIY? Okay,
2: well, let's try this. Ready? Yo,
1: Sherry, give me a beat. Sherry, where's my beat? Sure, you- I feel like I'm gonna mess up your audio if I beat under you. you
0: you can't back out of this you okay' on the ready
1: star. what am I doing am I like mm-t, 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 mm-t. Sherry,
2: whatever your heart your DIY heart desire <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay here we go
2: yo sherry give me a beat <laughs> Young house love, sent from heaven above, DIY, they do it and that's no lie, I said John and Sherry, 2007 they married, bringing the podcast to the mass, young house love, sent from heaven above, when I say John, you say Sherry, John, Sherry, John, Sherry, Sherry. when I say young house, you say love, young house, love, love. young house, Love. love. Sent from heaven above. Yeah, if you don't
1: listen, you're missing out. Woo! That was awesome. I thank you, you. I thank have you. some notes <laughs> for the beat. I know, I feel like I need to work on beatboxing. <laughs> nah, no, the beat was good. The beat was so young. You can work on it. Let
2: young house love. Well, sent from heaven above. That's right. <laughs> I love that. That's right. Or we can do young house love. Sent from heaven above. D I Y. Oh
1: look, my my phone's ringing. Perfect. (laughs) I thought that was part of it. I was like, "That's a sick beat, Jenny." John and Cherry, John and Cherry. Uh. (laughs) uh,
2: All right. Well, we'll 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 put together another jam. You know. Okay. We love you, Jenny. Thank you so much. That was super fun. Love you guys too. Thanks. Talk to you later. Bye, Bye, Jenny. Flipping out. Thursdays, nine eight central.
0: I'm still dying over how you chickened out on the beat with her.
1: <laughs> You're sure? Where's my beat?
0: Silence. Dead
1: silence. <laughs> what it has taught me is that is the first and last time I will ever beatbox. Yeah,
0: I was not safe to your finest moment, but you were a good sport, as was she.
1: She was amazing. We exchanged I love yous. We're besties.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Look forward to Sherry Jenny's album coming out soon.
1: Right, it's going to be no beatboxing by me, but we're going to rap together. You'll
0: play the triangle. Well, actually, if you guys want to see more of Jenny, uh, check out her book or uh, get more info on Flipping Out. We'll put all that in the show notes, along with, I think we should put in her music video from her album, Old School Kids Beats, you know, the Pooh on the Potty. Her song. hit single,
1: Pooh on the Potty. Yep. It's hilarious.
0: So we'll make sure all that's in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. But now let's wrap it up, Sherry, with some we digging, because I developed some tool envy. Okay. What I'm digging this week is collapsible saws on wheels. (laughs)
1: This (laughs) is specific.
0: Very specific.
1: But there were two instances. Yeah.
0: So like in the course of like 12 hours, I witnessed on Instagram, my friend Chris Markham from the blog Chris Loves Julia showing off this, uh, I think it was maybe a DeWalt saw. I think it was
1: DeWalt. It was so cool. It was a
0: table saw that he wheeled out on little wheels and it folded up and he went Along as Muriel Wayne. Basically a transformer. And I was like, you know what? I would love to have something that was more transportable and took up a smaller footprint than my current old saws that I have. And then right after that, we were at the Bower's house and Jeremy rolls out his <laughs> miter saw his rigid miter saw that like comes out on wheels and folds up and is giant and has this awesome work surface and then collapses to nothing okay not nothing but like
1: it's much smaller when it's folded down
0: i'm taking it as a sign from the universe that i need to get myself a larger well you've
1: never bought a saw
0: right yeah my miter saw is a hand-me-down um so i've been in need of one for a while especially a larger one because my current one I think it's only a 10 inch blade. So the biggest piece of wood I can cut is like eight inches. Right,
1: if we want to miter something bigger than eight or 10 inches, we cannot do it on this saw anyway.
0: Yeah, so I feel like now might be the time to buy a new one because as I'm establishing my tools in the shed, It'd be nice to work around a more permanent thing, not something I'm going to replace in just a few months. Well, yeah, if
1: you're going to build a work surface or a table nearby and leave the right amount of space, you want to get like the saw you're going to keep for that space. Yeah, so. Maybe your birthday, November. Can you not wait till November?
0: It's going to be hard.
1: (laughs) Maybe an early birthday present.
0: Can I get myself a Labor Day present?
1: I don't think that's a thing.
0: Uh, Anyways, let's get on to happier things rather than my tool envy. Um, What are you digging?
1: I am digging a movie. It's also kind of an anthem. It's Bad Moms, and I know this might come out so that it seems really dated to suggest Bad Moms, but I saw Bad Moms the day it came out with all my girls. We went to one of those movie theaters that you get, like, um, food and drinks, like, adult drinks, and it's for 18 and older, and it's, like, love seats that fold out, and they bring you, you know, calamari and meatloaf and whatever delicious entrees you'd love, and I always just get drinks and dessert, so it's, like, something chocolatey and something bubbly, and it's the most fun to do while watching any movie. Like, I can sit through a boring guy movie that I don't even care about. But I especially loved seeing Bad Moms there. And we were all laughing so hard. There certainly is, like, a little bit of juvenile humor, like, Dumb and Dumber variety, which I'm into. I was
0: going to say, that sounds up your alley, too.
1: (laughs) And there's also these super relatable moments that I think... Anyone who has been a mom or even a dad can relate to these moments at which you lose your mind. And so it was like this mixture of comical over-the-top moments and totally rooted in reality moments. And then to me, the best part was at the end of the movie, I wouldn't call them outtakes, but they were like the actors and their parents sitting on sofas being interviewed very candidly. It was like the actors talking about how great their childhood was and how fun it was to be to grow up with their parents and their parents like copping to these hilariously like bad moms dropped you on do. your head eight times. Right. There was not a dropping on the head. There was one, took one to this movie when they were three and it was like a drug movie with Al Pacino. I don't want to ruin it, but it was like, they were really funny confessions and it was really sweet, I think, to see the women break character from the movie and talk to their real moms. And I just was like, why am I having so many emotions about this comedy? <laughs> it was like the hangover, but for women. And I just loved it. And you are lucky you were not there because there was not a guy in the place. Like it was
0: all always... <laughs> It was like Haven Conference? It
1: was the Haven Conference, basically. Even more, more women than that.
0: And it was starring your voice twin, Mila Kunis. It
1: was. I do hear that a lot. I I've wish... gotten
0: lots of tweets lately that, Sherry sounds just like Mila Kunis. I
1: wish she was my body and face twin.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: A big thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast. And to everyone who's subscribed, rated, or reviewed us on iTunes, it really helps us keep churning out these weekly episodes.
0: Don't forget that if you've got a design or DIY question for us, you can leave us a voicemail at 571-4-Y-H-L-H-A-P. You could hear yourself on a future episode.
1: And keep tagging us on Twitter and Instagram to tell us what you're doing while you're listening. You might just get a shout-out here. Mag Ken said she binge-listened while on a 17-mile training run. Whoa. Go Mac.
0: And check out younghouselove.com slash podcast for all the bonus links, photos, and info from this episode, like Jenny's rap video and our very own April Fool's Raps from back in the day.
1: And Jenny Poulos from Bravo's Flipping Out convinces me to beatbox?
0: (laughs) Is it a question? (laughs) I'm Ron Ron Burgundy. Burgundy. (laughs) Jinx. (laughs)